My extra special guest this week is Lucy Snell. She is the co-founder of Cherry, a new business and marketing consultancy for digital agencies. She's helped agencies win new business for over 20 years. And if there's something she doesn't know about new business, then frankly, it's not really worth knowing. This was just such a tour de force conversation covering all things new business. We discuss everything from how to build a strong pipeline, selling in this COVID environment, hiring new business people, how to use social selling properly, uh, why we're so scared to pick up the phone. Uh, she talks about where agencies fall down typically with their new business efforts. She says agencies must be more consistent in their new business process, have faith in the process and give it time. Hiring new business people of course, is expensive and it's a temptation to get rid of them as soon as you feel as though it's not working. And she counsels us to just be patient. Uh, you have to work really closely with your new business people. Sending stuff out that's generic and, and not following up with it is not a very good idea. I, I was just really struck with just how intricately she understands the new business process and she was just very open about the mistakes that she made especially early on in her career uh, with Cherry hiring new business people that actually didn't didn't work out I learned a lot from the conversation I know you will as well so without me keeping you in suspense any further my conversation with Lucy Snell Lucy Snell is the founder of Cherry, helping creative and digital agencies compete and grow, working with agencies on all areas of new business and marketing. She's helped win business in pretty much every sector, both in the UK and globally. She's worked with all types of creative agencies across every discipline of all shapes and sizes, from global networks to startups, working with brands such as Rolls-Royce, AstraZeneca, Aviva, Channel 4, and the SAS, as well as uh, smaller and challenger brands. Lucy also created the Agency Growth Academy, which is a hybrid online training program, teaching agency owners how to do new business themselves. It's aimed at smaller agencies who can't afford to hire someone. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Lucy Snell, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks so much. I'm delighted to be here and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to come onto your podcast this week. Yeah, absolute pleasure speaking to you. I've been looking forward to speaking to you for, for quite some time. You've, you've got a really interesting background in history, very commercially focused. Um, how do you go from being a marketing consultant for Hayes in 2001 to now helping uh, creative agencies and uh, agent, digital agencies win new business? Yeah, it wasn't kind of what I set out to do, to be honest. My first um, uh, ambitions were to, I really wanted to work in the music industry. Um, sure. But when I kind of came to the UK, because um, I grew up in Spain, um, and I came to the UK and tried to find a job, and most recruitment companies just kind of pushed me into either me media sales or recruitment. And I ended up getting a job in recruitment where I was actually... Uh, recruiting for new business people that was at Hay. Mm. Um, I didn't really like recruitment I'm not actually sure many people do but I loved, <laughs> <laughs> I loved the yeah. industry the agency world um, and I kind of developed a real passion for working with agencies and then that just kind of naturally led me on to um, I saw a job advertised uh, working for one of the original lead generation new business companies out there 
that specialised in working with agencies. So I went there and um, it was there that I met my co-founder, Katie. Um, and, you know, one discussion in the pub led mm. to us uh, <laughs> setting up Cherry together. That was uh, 16 years ago now. And mm. so, yeah, we still work together, still going very strong as a team, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just felt that there was a better uh, ways of doing new business. So um, mm. at, at the time, we were the first um, new business agency to offer the in-house model. So we what used to go and work in-house at creative and digital agencies, and we had a team doing that, which was quite kind of pioneering at the time and had its own challenges, to be fair. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my career path to date. Mm, really interesting. By the way, I don't think anybody enjoys doing re- recruitment. I, I did a, I did a stint of recruitment as well very early in my career. But what I would say, it's probably really good uh, preparation for sales. Uh, if you want to learn how to sell, uh, hard-nosed sales, it's really good. I was given, uh, I was lucky because I got a desk and a phone. I was given a desk and a phone and I was given a hardback copy of ALF, which is the director of agencies. And I was told oh, great. to start at letter A. <laughs> I worked my way through. Uh, yeah. If, if that isn't preparation for sales, nothing is, right? Uh, <laughs> you've, you've, you've done business development for independent agencies and larger ones as well, as we said in the intro. What's the biggest difference between the way that indie agencies uh, and larger agencies approach new business development? I don't know if there's a difference between independent and larger agencies in their approach, um, but there is a difference, I think, in terms of the resources that they have available. Obviously, the larger uh, and bigger the agency, and particularly if they're part of networks, then they tend to have a bigger in-house team. Um, I, but there's examples of agencies that are independent that have a really good approach and examples of um, you know, big uh, networked agencies that don't have a great approach. So it's just a bit of a combination of what's available. But I worked, you know, as an example, I worked with Conrad and Design Group for 14 years. Um, and there I was part of a wider team. I think they had a team of about five in-house new business people. Um, so I had responsibility for just one area of the business, which was corporate reporting. Um, but I had access to content writers, creatives, um, we had an events team, social media team. So there's just much more um, resources available, which does make the job a little bit easier. Whereas mm. when you're working with a small agency, you're um, usually working directly with the MD and you have to be much more creative over the budget and the spend that you've got. Hmm. I, I, it probably makes sense to address the elephant in the room, especially if we're talking about uh, agencies and new business in this environment of COVID-19 right now, because in it, it's fundamentally changed the way that agencies, I guess, are approaching new business or thinking about new business. It's worried uh, and it's probably occupied the, the time of a lot of agency founders and, and new business development people, because in the early days of, of covid I'm thinking sort of end of February, early early March, business development people were especially affected because they couldn't really sell in the way that they used to, face-to-face and, and, and all the rest of it. Now we're about four months in. We're now recording this in June. How would you describe where agencies are today and they're thinking about new business development? And what's the mood of your clients currently? Yes, I mean, um, yeah, back in March when we kind of hit lockdown, uh, understandably, most of my clients put things on hold or scaled things back just to kind of take a bit of stock and see what was happening. 
Um, but I've got a mix of agency clients, and unfortunately, I um, had uh, I was working with a retail design specialist. So, you know, clearly that's a very struggling industry sure. um, and also working with um, an exhibition design specialist. And again, you know, exhibitions are being put on hold. Um, so with those clients, we with those agencies that I was working with, we scaled time back. Uh, we work really flexibly. We focus on spending time doing doing research, understanding, preparing for when things can get better. Um, so the time was kind of spent wisely. But, you know, throughout that, I was also working with a, a branding agency that works with entrepreneurial brands. And we just carried on with new business as normal. Obviously, the, the way that we approach companies, well, the way that I approach companies has always been very um, tailored, uh, very bespoke approaches, um, using less of a sales approach and more of a helpful approach. And mm -hmm. uh, so we just kind of carried on doing that and we kept getting projects coming in. So it didn't really affect them. Um, but I just I do think it um, depends on the sector that you operate, mm. the risk exposure that you have. Um, and I think that agencies that have always done a lot of new marketing themselves in terms of content and have a strong positioning are able to ride this storm a little bit better than those that don't. Hmm. Well, let's talk about your approach to, to new business, because it has three core elements, as I understand it. Story, connect and nurture. Explain. Yeah, that's right. I was, um, well, I was working a while ago with a mentor who suggested, actually, if you can kind of pull together your offer into three areas, it just, it's much more uh, digestible, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, so I came up with that. And actually, you know, I've always believed that agencies need to have a strong proposition. Um, it's very difficult to have a unique proposition. But a strong proposition is one that really speaks to your key audience, um, that it's about understanding who your audience is, the challenges that they, that they face, and bringing all of that together into you know your elevator pitch or your story or your proposition. So that's the the story part. The connect is the initial outreach to them, and uh, you know as I said just now, uh, that should always be very bespoke, a thought through approach, um, and then the nurturing bit. You know, new business doesn't unfortunately doesn't happen overnight. Um, and so the nurturing bit is how you can develop that relationship from that initial outreach uh, to getting onto a pitch list or getting your brief. Uh, and so they, those might be just conversations that you're having over time. It could be that you add somebody to a kind of you send them wider, more broadcast type communications, uh, share with them a combination of um, content and thought leadership or invite them to events, follow them on social media, share some of their content. So that's how it works, really. It's about ha having a strong story and proposition, doing the initial outreach to them in a very bespoke and personalised way, and then having a, a good database CRM system so you can nurture that relationship and keep in touch with them on a regular basis. And if you do all those three things, I believe that you you will have a good new business machine working. Mm, that's really interesting. So, so your point about tailoring your proposition to a, a list and making it very bespoke is really interesting because it's far more challenging to do that if you're working if your list is quite large yeah. if it's 50 or 100 people or accounts that you want to win presumably you can only do that bespoke tailoring of outreach if your list is relatively small and defined what what sort of advice do you give your clients around uh, the the number of accounts to go after and how bespoke you need to make your tailored communications to them. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I usually start with a list of maybe 30, 40 companies. So it's mm. like bespoke, but they're, they're not just random companies. They're research companies that I've found that I think uh, are going through change or where there's a really interesting angle. Maybe they've received investment. Maybe they're launching in the UK. So there's something that's happening in those companies that for the agencies that I'm working with, we feel that we can offer a solution to. Um, but then behind that, I think it is always worth having a wider list where you can push out some more broadcast-led comms. But again, that does need to be um, led with, if you're going to do something that's not so bespoke, um, it really does need to be led with value. So sharing some um, content thought leadership stuff that you think might be interesting or inviting them to. We do Before COVID, we were running events, quite small, like breakfast round table events for a lot of our agency clients. Um, uh, but even then, if you want to get maybe um, 15, 20 people to uh, a morning meeting, and I think those, those type of um, events work really well because you can have those engaging conversations with people. Whereas if you try and do more larger scale events, people just tend to turn up, listen to the speakers and then leave or maybe network a bit. But you're not really having those interactions as you would do um, at a breakfast round table. But even hmm. to get maybe 15, 20 people to come, you still need to have a really strong topic, some really interesting speakers, and you probably still need to start with a list of around 300 people. Wow. To invite them to. Yeah, the conversion rates are quite tight and quite tough at the moment. I um, see. Yeah. And really interesting. And, and now you could do webinars, but again, I think webinars, are, there's so many of them. Mm, a little bit of fatigue. There's a little bit of webinar fatigue that people have right now, I think. In my diary and then, uh, you know, so <laughs> and I can't listen to it. <laughs> there you go. So the, the first part of your framework is story, which if I understand rightly, it's a real, really about sort of the agency's proposition and sort of how they're positioning themselves in the marketplace. How, what, what sort of advice do you give to agencies around what sort of position they should own in the marketplace and sort of crystallizing that before they go to market with a, a tailored bespoke message? Yeah, I mean, I think the more that you can, uh, it's quite an American word, but niche down and be mm -hmm. uh, very focused on, on, on um, what you do, the easier it is when it comes to new business. Uh, and sometimes when I say that to agencies, they often think, oh, I, I don't want to specialize in one particular sector. I don't want to... Um, uh, you know, to be closed to any opportunities coming in from other sectors. But you don't, if you want to specialise in one area, it doesn't necessarily have to be a sector. It could be right. that your focus is really on uh, an audience. You know, it could be, well, we've, we've focused on the kind of younger audience or it could be focused on a particular ch business challenge. But I think, you know, when you're, if you're, um, uh, say, for example, a design agency and your business and your proposition is just quite broad and quite general, then it's very difficult because you're competing against lots and lots of other agencies. So the more mm. focus um, and um, niche down as much as possible, the easier it is. But again, I think the proposition, it really needs to cover. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek's stuff mm. um, and find your why. Mm -hmm. uh, run some of those workshops I'm not, I mean, I'm not a kind of um, accredited workshop person but, some, hmm. but I follow that framework and run workshops with some of my agency clients and I think if your proposition can cover you know what you do how you do it who you do it for and most importantly why um, then you can come up with something quite strong really interesting 
Um, I just said it's got to be clear, the proposition. It doesn't want to be too too fluffy. And I think agencies can be can fall down that trap of trying to be very creative. Um, but actually, uh, when a marketing person is looking at your website, um, they just want to know exactly what it is that you do and whether you can do, do that for them. Mm, really interesting. Just coming back to the COVID-19 question and sort of how we sell in this environment right now. Obviously, in the early days, it seemed as though every business was putting their spending on hold and a lot of clients, a lot of agencies sort of lost a couple of clients or sort of uh, lost a few clients and or their clients stopped spending. I think that's slowly starting to change now, but it probably in certain industries over others, as you sort of mentioned earlier on in the in the conversation, how should we be selling in this, this phase of COVID-19, where now there's a little bit more appetite for brands to spending money. Um, I think we're slowly starting to come out of this and people appreciate that actually um, business still has to be done. How should, what advice are you giving to your clients about the tone, how they should be approaching new business in, in this phase of the, of COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's leading, leading with empathy, offering value, I wouldn't really jump on any kind of COVID-19 bandwagon, hmm. uh, which I've seen some agencies do. But also thinking about the particular challenges that your prospect might be facing, um, not just uh, marketing challenges, but there's obviously operational challenges. If there are, um, you know, there's some sectors that are really busy and booming at the moment, mm. um, you know, um, digital, online retail, mm-hmm. um, but equally, those companies are probably quite stressed with trying to deal with the um, increase in demand. So just being aware of that um, and thinking about how you can work more flexibly with companies because they probably can't really plan that well for the long term or they will be planning, but they'll have an A, B and C plan. Uh, so how can you as an agency work to help them with those different different plans and different options and work in a very flexible and and agile way. Um, Mm. That's what you need to be, try and just put yourselves in their shoes and um, work in the best way possible with them. Let's talk a little bit about the bane of most agencies' lives, hiring new business people, uh, which is a a pain for lots of of agencies. Um, (laughs) So... If we are looking for our, a new head of new business or someone to lead the new business charge within the agency, what are the questions that agencies should be asking that new business person to make sure that they're the right fit and they're making the right investment? Yeah, it's really hard. And actually, when we first set up Cherry in, in 2004, we scaled quite quickly, um, but we made some really appalling hires and um you know, so I'm not sure that I'm the best. I might be being harsh. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that good at finding new business people. <laughs> um, and that's why, and if we did find really good people, they would get poached by our clients as well. Sure. Um, but I think that um, the problem with new business people is that they are really, really good at, at selling themselves. And so sure. you really have to dig deep um, and just ask a lot of questions about their success 
uh, what have they delivered in the past, but just really like go into the more granular detail about that because often it's easy to say, oh, well, yes, with this agency, we secure, I secured, you know, 200K worth mm. business over the course of six months, but it's probably, you know, it always is part of a team effort. So sure. to ask those questions to understand what was their contribution to that. So how, you know, if there was a win, what was their best success and how did they make that initial approach? Mm. Um, ask to see examples of some of their new business emails. You know, if, if it is for the, if, if you're trying to hire someone to do that outreach, then really dig deep into uh, questions around process uh, and maybe even ask them to pitch to you on the phone as well. Uh, mm. so that Interesting. In that way, but mm. trying to make sure that they're, um, that you can really understand a bit more about their contribution to, to the agency that they've worked with before. Hmm. What do you think agencies should expect from their head of new business in the first sort of 90 days or so? And I th- Well, I think when you first start with um, an agency, I think the number one uh, avenue to explore is to really exhaust all existing warm contacts that's within that agency. And that's what we do sure. with our clients. And, uh, you know, that is anything, anyone that's not, uh, totally cold so someone who has had some kind of relationship uh, with you in the past so it could be people that you've met with people that you've pitched to people who have moved on uh, exporting your LinkedIn and really that's what you've got to get started with ASAP and whilst you do that then you can also be putting into place the more detailed um, structured new business and marketing strategy that covers everything from uh, agency positioning if that needs addressing targeting messaging and the comms plan um, but I think that sometimes when you hire a new business person they can get too distracted in the, the things that it's nice to do which is the strategic stuff and the planning um, but you really need to just be focused on building that pipeline straight from mm. go as well you can do it in mm. tandem and I think that's really important because it just takes so much time to build a pipeline and it, particularly mm. if you haven't had a new business person in your agency for a while then that might have been neglected so and it's amazing when you start writing down names how how many people you know particularly in the you know agency team the senior leadership team how many contacts they have that you can go back to um, Mm. should be the first port of call really interesting so so you talk about generating leads and and filling the pipeline i know that you coach agencies on how best to use social selling and in particular linkedin to help with their with their outreach i see a lot of good things on linkedin from agencies i see a lot of bad things on linkedin from agencies what how should agencies be using linkedin most effectively to build their pipeline yeah that's a really interesting question and actually i use linkedin i think i think really well um, for me, LinkedIn is about having a really strong profile uh, and just about having conversations with people, usually uh, on your activity feeds, commenting on people's posts, uh, sharing ideas and sharing content. But the, what's interesting is I'm part of a, um, a couple of agency kind of networks and Slack groups and WhatsApp groups. And the conversation came up recently about LinkedIn and new business. And quite a few agency, I was quite surprised, but quite a few agency leaders on that group were saying that they uh, have used a LinkedIn automated service Hmm. and uh, they recommended it. And for me, that kind of rung alarm bells because I think that there's two different LinkedIn automation services. There's one that, you know, they'll message people via your LinkedIn profile or there's another where they will 
scrape the data and send them emails. But most of these companies, they do it on a really, really large scale, you know, thousands of um, or hundreds of people a day. I think there might be a hundred a day. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, you might strike lucky and you might get, you know, two to four uh, new business opportunities a month. Um, but you've got to weigh up the damage that you're probably doing to your agency brand um, in spamming a lot of people with the wrong mm. message. And I think that can be really damaging. Um, so I, I just wouldn't advocate that at all. I think mm. where you can use automation uh, and where I've used LinkedIn automation automation recently um, is to uh, point them in the direct to connect with people, the right people and point them in the direction of um, some free content on your blog or um, to invite them to listen to a webinar or attend an event. Um, but I wouldn't do anything more pushy than that because I just think it looks a bit naff. And I, mm. I, get, I get LinkedIn emails all the time. So does everything <laughs> else. And so mm. it means that anything else can get a bit lost in there. Mm. Really, really good point. L- Lucy, last couple of questions before we get into our favorite questions okay. towards the <laughs> back end of the interview that we ask everyone. So, so from all the agencies that you've worked with over the years uh, and that you see in the marketplace and maybe the ones that you, you haven't worked with, what are the most common reasons from your perspective that they are unable to grow as fast as they want is it because they don't have sales capacity or weak pipelines or they can't retain talent or weak uh, propositions uh, brand awareness or is it something else entirely yeah i think that often i often i think it's because agencies just aren't consistent enough hmm. uh, they need to be more consistent in their process have faith in the process um, and just know that it takes time and it can't happen overnight. And I think often agencies want to invest resource in a campaign and then they'll stop it before they've even really given it a chance to kind of run its course. Um, but if you hire, it's, it's difficult because obviously new business is an expensive resource. And it, so if you're hiring someone to do new business and you're not seeing results straight away, there is a big temptation to, to stop that. Um, but that that's why you um, you can't just hire somebody, whether it's a consultant or a person, and just leave them to get on with it. You have to work closely with them um, and really kind of interrogate and look at the results that are coming through because you should be seeing some very intelligent conversations. You mm. should be seeing, even though you might not win business within the first six months, you should still be seeing, getting that intel um, that they should be getting from those phone conversations. Uh, you should be seeing that pipeline being developed um, mm. but the other kind of common fit, pitfall is really just sending stuff out that's just just too generic and not following it up um, I think that's really really poor and that's what a lot of agencies do they just want to look at volume and and go yeah well we sent out you know 500 emails mm. and we got a click-through rate of this but we didn't <laughs> get any responses and it's like well you do have to follow up yeah mm. you do have to have those those conversations Hmm, super interesting. And that's something else that a lot of agencies are really scared of actually picking up the phone and having conversations yes. with with people. Uh, why why are we so scared of the phone? Yeah, actually, I've just written a blog post on it and it, hopefully it will go. I just sent it to my uh, assistant so it will go live this week about um, the fear of picking up the phone. I think it's just a fear of reject- rejection, isn't it? And I think hmm. also... Um, people kind of associate telephone prospecting with um you know telesales and um, double glazing recruitment recruitment agencies (laughs) they just don't want to be associated with it they just yeah 
dirty word, but actually, um, and part of what I did in my uh, agency growth academy was to help people just change their mindset around it, that actually selling is about, you know, agency selling in particular is about helping. It's mm. about having finding problems and offering solutions to those problems. Um, and in all the, you know, 16 years that I've been doing this for, well, I've been doing it longer, 16 years under Cherry. And then before that, I've never really had anybody being particularly rude to me. Mm. Uh, I can probably count those on, on one hand. Interesting. If you're empathetic. If you, you can really hear as well in someone's tone of voice. Um, if you pick up the phone and phone somebody and they just sigh and it's clear that they don't want to talk mm. to you, then, then just, be, just be a human and just say, oh, I appreciate it. It sounds like it's the wrong time for you. Shall I give you a call back another time? Mm. rather than try and down your message mm. but I, I think that's just a fear of failure and actually people say they don't have time to do new business um and generally that's probably is the case because agency owners and leaders are really really busy yeah um, but if you haven't got um the budget to outsource that element then you just need to make that time and even just do you know three one two three five calls every mm. single day that, mm. that will reap results Definitely. I definitely think it's an area that agencies need a lot of support and yeah. coaching on uh, massively. So we, you talked earlier about the Agency Growth Academy, uh, which we mentioned at the top of the show as well, which is a hybrid online training program teaching agency owners how to do new business themselves. Who is it for and what type of agencies is it for, sorry, and what problem are you solving? Yeah, so I, I came up with the idea for it five years ago and, and uh, never did anything with it. And I think it's because, again, it's that fear, fear mm. of the unknown. I kept telling myself I didn't have time, but I think it was really I was just afraid of failing at it. Mm. Uh, and then uh, lockdown started and I thought, actually, I've got a bit of time. I'll get this going. Sure. Um, and it's and it's it's turned out really well. It's, it's, I'm really pleased with it. But it's a five week uh, training program. And I call it hybrid because it's not just online it's not just watching videos it's i provide lots of one-to-one -one feedback and support either through um uh, by email or through zoom calls so they're getting all of that interaction and access to me um but it essentially teaches and agencies how to do new business themselves uh, and that's why i've aimed it at it's really aimed at smaller agencies who can't afford to hire somebody um, but it could equally be uh, equally good for a more junior new business exec who wants to brush up on their new business skills. And it covers mm. everything from and defining your agency proposition through to understanding your target audience, like developing um, um, audience personas. And then there's a lot of detail in there about how you should actually go about um, approaching prospects from cold. Mm. how you should make those phone calls, how you should structure the new business emails and mm. also how you should market your agency as well. So it covers everything. Mm. Really interesting. Lucy, just getting towards the back end of the interview now, let's get into everyone's favourite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests, so I'm excited to ask you some of them as well. Um, tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the time that I failed would probably be not actually get, getting the um, Agency Growth Academy off the ground when I had the idea, mm. because um, although it has gone well now, uh, a lot of my competitors are doing similar things. So mm. I was a bit kind of annoyed that I didn't do it back then. Mm. Uh, and actually the, you know, it is the fear of failure. Um, but um, one of the things that I um, talk about in my blog post was um, Tim Ferriss 
Uh, hmm. So he does this thing called fear setting. So it's kind of like the opposite of goal setting, but where you want to make a business decision, whether it is phone prospecting or launching a new idea, but you're too afraid to do it. Um, and so you set out like your real fears of that. So what what's the worst that could happen if I do this thing? Um, what's hmm. the actual implications on my business? How could I rectify that? And then you turn it on its head and go, well, what is the worst that can happen if I, you know, what's the cost of inaction if I don't do these things? So hmm. that's really interesting. And if I'd applied that to myself, I probably would have got the Academy off the ground all those years back. But Earlier. Well, what, what do they say? Uh, best time to plant a tree um, and all that. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm notorious for, for not doing things when I, when I should do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the mentors question, um, who influenced your, the way that you think about sales and new business throughout your career? Which mentors were most influential to the way that you think about sales and new business? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've had an actual kind of proper mentor. Um, I've had coaches. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I think about this, I would guess actually one of my clients that I have uh, got, who I still work with now, uh, a lady called Lindy, um, she's uh, CMO for Historia Group, which is a group of agencies. Mm. Uh, but I've worked with her uh, on and off now for, since the start of Cherry, so 16 years. Uh, she's moved jobs three times and each time uh, kind of taken me with her. Uh, but I really uh, respect her approach and attitude to agency new business. And she really believes, she understands that it's a long-term process, but really believes that you need to um, support the new business machine with uh, great agency marketing and um, approach agency marketing with a, with a brand perspective. So it's about building that agency brand. And I think that has is, is really influenced how I do new business as well and mm. how I work with other, some of my other clients. And it's great to learn from a client. So I, I'd say it was her. Mm. The books question. Tell us about some of your favorite books. This could be business related, non-business related, new business related, whatever. It's funny, actually, now I barely have time. I always read. I, read <laughs> I used to read mm. loads of business books. Now I read... I, read every day Roald Dahl to my son and I okay. absolutely love his book love Roald Dahl yeah it's great reading rereading the BFG at the moment yeah oh are you yeah <laughs> my favorite family, the champion of the world yeah um but I also read my kindle every night before I go to bed just any kind of random fiction books but I think one of the best business books that I can really relate to that where you can apply so much of it uh the concept of it to new business um and I can't remember who it's by but it's the compound effect um, okay. Basically yeah. about the act of doing one small sure. thing every single day and being consistent sure. with what you do just mm. has massive impact over a certain amount of time. And I mm. think business that's just um, rings so true because if you can make that one phone call every day, mm. uh, send out one new email every single day, then that sounds like a manageable chunk of time um, and you'll mm. get massive exponential results over time. Whereas mm. stop and start, stop and start, it just doesn't work. So I think yeah, that's a great book, that one. Was it Warren Buffett that said compound interest is the greatest power in the universe? Um, like either Warren Buffett or yeah, one, exactly. one of those investors. That's uh, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What What's the most interesting thing that people don't know about your background? 
Um, well, I grew up in Spain. I don't know if that comes across as apparent on my LinkedIn. I can't remember. No, I, d- I had no so, idea. So my family emigrated, moved, well, emigrated, moved there when I was eight. Mm-hmm. Um, still live there. I moved back here when I was 16 to go to college. Um, but I've always loved Spain and loved traveling. So I spent some time working there. I went to university in Salamanca. Mm. Spanish and I've got a Spanish family. Um, but the other interesting fact is that my mom, she had a business uh, creating advertising jingles in the 60s and 70s. Right. Um, and her most famous jingle was a finger of fudge for Cadbury. So that's, um, you know, that's quite a oh, right. thing to have in our family. Yeah. Really interesting. Really interesting. <laughs> L- last, last couple of questions and then I'll let you go. W- what advice would you give to a young person or a millennial who wants to start in the sale, well, start new business for an agency or indeed start an agency for themselves? What bits of advice would you give them? Um, Well, I think, yeah, I think just really learn from mentors and just ask lots of questions. Um, So I've recently become, I was really uh, excited this year to become a member, um, a mentor, sorry, at Bloom, which is, um, it's an organization that promotes equality amongst women in, Mm. in our industry. Um, and their mentorship program is amazing. So I would, um, and I've had training through that, free training on how to be a good mentor. So, you know, I definitely suggest getting a mentor, uh, networking as much as possible. It is, you know, all about contacts as well. Um, and just asking all the lots and lots of questions to improve your skills and improve your knowledge. But also just really make sure that you enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. I think sometimes you can set out with one vision, particularly when you're starting a company, Mm-hmm. what happened with us at Cherry, you know, Katie and I set out with a vision that we would be a, a small to medium sized boutique agency with mm-hmm. a team and we hired staff and we were the first, um, yeah, we, we offered an in-house service mm-hmm. three, da- three years down the line. Neither of us were really enjoying it. We felt had just stressed out too much with the headache of managing uh, new business people, of hiring new business and people, firing new business people. <laughs> and, mm. um, you know, we got to a point where I just realized that I was doing everyone's job, paying everyone to do the job that I was doing for them. Mm. And I just didn't really enjoy it. I wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do, which was mm. managing people was not my strong point. Sure. Um, so we, we quickly, we, it took us time, but we just decided to change, pivot and kind of change how we worked and scale back and just, be you know Katie and myself and supported by a team of other experts in their in their own field as opposed to hiring staff and um, you know I haven't looked back from making that decision so I guess it would be make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing and don't be afraid to kind of uh, change if it's not right for you. Really interesting and my final question Lucy what do you know about new business and winning new business today that you wish you knew when you first started your career? Well, uh, I guess that there's no shortcuts. I mean, I wish when I first started my career, I look back on that time and there was no like LinkedIn. Um, internet was pretty slow and we only had the telephone. So I don't, hmm. can't even remember how. <laughs> <laughs> how I used to find contact names was a mystery. But right. the, what's, you know, what's, what are, um, what's still apparent today as it was back then is that there is no shortcuts. And often people are looking for, um, you know, that silver bullet as to how they can win new clients really quickly. Um, But you can't. And I think that it's really important uh, if you're a new business person, either a consultant or you're going to accept a job somewhere, 
that you don't over uh, promise um, what, on, on those expectations from you. And don't be afraid to um, kind of push back on some of the KPIs that um, clients or uh, your new um, employer might set you if it's not mm. realistic. I think that's really important. And that's mm. in, kind of really uh, plays a big part in, in our values of integrity of how we work with, with agency clients is that if we feel that what they are expecting us to deliver just isn't realistic and isn't feasible, uh, then we will push back. And I think that's really important because you just want to, you want to over deliver rather than under really really interesting great place to end lucy thank you so much for doing this oh thank you i really enjoyed it we've been speaking with lucy snell she's currently the founder of cherry if you enjoyed this conversation then head over to apple Podcasts, where you can listen to over 80 such conversations we've had now with world-class sales and marketing leaders thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on linkedin and email write to me at nathan at agencydealmasters.com please head over to iTunes and give us a review. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Genevieve Megeki is our booker slash project manager. Marian Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. And we're done.